Amen. Let's stand this morning. We want to welcome you to church this morning. Obviously, you can tell VBS season is in the air. We normally don't have castles in church every week. But VBS is coming around the corner. So uh, there is a band. They're just behind the wall of courage. So you can't see them, but they are with me this morning. Uh, but we're going to ask you to grab your hymn book due to some of the screens being covered. And in your red back hymnal, page 327 is an old song. Uh, that we uh, have uh, sang around here before, but it simply said, Our Lord is returning back to earth again. So let's worship the Lord this morning. Coming back to earth again. Oh, Satan will be bound to God. 
remain standing here just for a moment as Brother Randy makes his way to lead us in Scripture and in prayer this morning. Okay, now you can hear me. Uh, before I do the Scripture... Well, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear pastor, happy birthday to you. All right, some people hold it longer than others. We have a, a small little present, I'm going to take it over to him because I know he don't like getting up here. Not often that I can surprise him, so that's pretty good. Today the reading will be from Psalm 67. It says, Let all the people praise thee. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Salah, that thy ways may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth, Salah. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. That's true. More people ought to fear him. More people ought to be giving him praise. Well, we have the opportunity right now to do that in prayer, fellowship, and love one for another. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. There's a lot of people who are sick this morning, Carol and I included. Uh, Brantley's not feeling great. Hannah's not feeling great, but she's okay. Here she's here. Uh, Riley's not feeling great. There's so many that are, are out sick. So pray for them, and uh, Lord will lift them up. Pray for those who are in the hospital. Pray for those that, that can't be here because they got to work. Trust me, some people have to work. If you don't work, Paul say, you don't eat. So they got to work. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you, Lord, and praise fellowship and love of you. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done for us. Lord, it's, it's not praise if we're not thanking you. We praise you for what you have done, Lord, and what you will do. Praising you, Lord, and trusting in you that you're going to touch those that are ill, touch those that are in the hospital, touch those that have to work, that you can lift their spirits. Lord, that you will continue to abide with us and help us make a joyful noise with you with the band. And Lord, that you'll touch our pastor, that he will say the words that you would have him to say. Lord, that will lift us up and carry your word forward. Help us today, Lord, and bring us back to the point hour. We ask in Jesus' holy, precious name. Yes, Lord. And amen. Amen. At this time, we're going to ask you to take a few moments and meet and greet. And just kind of see the people around you and kind of just welcome them to church this morning.
Get, remain standing. Let's jump back into worship. We're going to sing uh, one on the on your sheet there. You'll see it on your sheet uh, there called I'll Thank Him and I'll Praise Him. And we're going to sing that uh, unto the Lord today. So let's sing together.
Father, Lord, we know it's in the presence of the King. The troubles vanish, hearts are mended, lives restored. We need a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God in this land. Lord, you were so eloquently displayed in our midst last weekend. And God, I don't think that you're a respecter of persons that you can't do it again this weekend too. Lord, what a better day to celebrate Memorial Day weekend than to remembering what God has done in our lives. Father, I pray as we get ready to segue into the remaining portion of this service today that the power and the presence of the Lord would orchestrate it to be the way you deem it necessary and fit. And for that, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And all the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord briefly. I want you to turn your Bibles to seconds. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Go right ahead. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to 2 Samuel chapter 23 as these guys make their way off from behind the castle of courage back here. Let me say to all the folks that have helped pull this VBS together, building of props and everything else, how much we appreciate it. Uh, I want to make mention of a couple things. We still have invite cards that you can take to give out as well as flyers. Uh, it starts next Sunday uh, evening. Remember uh, that uh, with that being said, yes, please. Uh, with that being said, uh, we have dinner starting at 6, and worship will, or excuse me, the VBS will start at 7 p.m. All those joining online, I say it every week, but you can find out all this information on our website, santicirclecog.org. You can download the app called Our Church, search our name in there. If you like services, you can find us on Google and Apple Podcasts. If you don't like our services, just download it so that it makes our likes go up, and we don't care if you listen, just download it anyway. 
Uh, so it sounds right. I have not forgot about giving, but uh, there is a small dilemma. Uh, all my entire usher staff is sick or working. <laughs> they are wiped out. So we're going to have to be creative after church this morning, but we'll get to that. We, we know God will supply the need. But while I say that, let me just read you quickly the laundry list of people who are not here. Brother Storm, uh, that helps sometime up here. Brother Randy, Sister Carol's uh, nephew, uh, he, uh, uh, he's sick. Uh, Brother and Sister Carlsey are out of town. Uh, Sister Nina made it today, thank the Lord, but she was not feeling the, best, uh, feeling the best. Andrew is still traveling back from Texas. Miss Brenda Burbage has the flu. Corey's family is not feeling well. He's working, but they're sick. Brother Marion is sick. Uh, all the Carlson family are sick, uh, which is six of them. Brother Chambers is not here today, not feeling well. Brother and Sister Frierson are at a graduation. Uh, Riley is sick. Brother Larry is working. Jordy is working. And the list just keeps going. <laughs> I just named about 45 people right there. Thank God y'all came today. <laughs> or I'd have just started my cookout early. <laughs> uh, but um, we got a lot to pray for, so remember those. But we're so glad that Miss Nina was able to make it today. So glad to see Miss Ann back after her recent uh family dynamic with her husband and his seizures and falling and other things that have happened. Let me also remind you, camp meetings coming up. You will be talking more about that and streaming that uh, as well uh, on their South Carolina Church of God Facebook page. We'll put a link out. Let me say to you, though, I love how the kingdom of God and the body of Christ always comes together and makes things work. Because Brother Randy's not been feeling good and Sister Carol's not feeling good and Sister Jennifer's tired from all of this DBS prepping and Everybody's got stuff going on. Well, Brother Larry told me two weeks ago, actually three weeks ago, told me three weeks ago, Pastor, I'm going to miss the last two Sundays in May. I know that's going to give you a, a, a heart attack. You're going to die, but you're just going to be without a drummer for two weeks. And I was like, you can't just give me one week. I can maybe cover one, not two. And he said, I'm sorry. I just can't help it. And I was like, okay, okay. So I go in scramble mode. And for those of you that know Brother Randy, Brother Randy is my voice of reason. He always tells me exactly how he feels. And he said, Pastor, you're not going to play the drums, are you? And I said, why not? He said, you sound so much better on the piano. <laughs> Thanks, Brother Randy. I appreciate that. He loves me enough to tell me don't move. <laughs> uh, anyway, even though percussion is my first instrument of choice, all, uh, all fairness to me. But uh, so we figured it all out. And I said, okay, well, about, I don't know, th two or three days before he was supposed to leave, he calls me last weekend before he was supposed to leave and said, Pastor, you ain't going to believe this. They needed a man to stay behind and not come by till, come back till Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. So I've, I've volunteered. I'm going to suffer for the cause of Jesus. I'll stay behind so I can play on Sunday for you to go. And I said, I will pray blessings on your life for the rest of your life. And it all worked out. Well, I hit rock bottom again. I was like, well, he's going to be gone. So I remembered from just watching, uh, those of you who remember a couple uh, a while back, we were praying for the pastor at Life Givers Ministry, uh, Pastor Paul Garrett, who was uh, sick. And uh, was battling his sickness, and we were praying for that family. And I remembered that his son could play. I hadn't met him directly, but I remembered watching their services, and I thought, you know what? This is a long shot, but I have watched some of the services recently, and he wasn't on the drums. I don't know where he's at, but I need to find that guy. And so I started, I started being a creep and calling people. And it's like, hey, do you know how to find this guy? And uh, I met his wife at, uh, at Brother David Roselle's homegoing uh, uh, services, and, uh, and so we were talking. And so anyway, I got the number. So on Monday, I think it was, I texted Brother Tyler and I said, uh, hey, this is Pastor Jarlin. I know we haven't really met, but I'm in need of a drummer. And I heard you're good. You're, you're, you know how to do that. And uh, my church doesn't want me to play, so I need help. 
And, uh, and I got silence. I thought the heavens were brass. God did not hear my cry. It was silent for a long time. I thought, God, are you there? Is anybody out there? I thought they gave me the wrong number, to be honest with you. I thought somebody's pulling a joke. I probably texted somebody's phone who's not even with us anymore, and they won't answer me back. So I was like, okay. So I called somebody else and said, hey, is this the right number? She said, yeah, that's right. I tried texting. I tried it all. And she said, well, Pastor, I, I don't know. I, you know, maybe. I, I just don't know. I said, all right. I said, well. So I went to plan B. I asked somebody else. And they're like, well, Pastor, I'm busy. So I was coming back from senior adult retreat. I told Brianna, I said, I ain't got a drummer. I don't know what I'm going to do. Miss Carol can't breathe. Brother Randy stopped up, and I have no drummer. This is going to be a good Sunday morning service right here. About that time, my phone goes off with a number I didn't recognize. I had forgotten that I didn't save it in my phone. And it just says, hey, what time's practice? And I was telling him all this stuff. And he says, hey, this is, once I figured it out, it was Tyler. He texts back and said, I, I'm on call this week for work. And sometimes I get called away. He said, but I'll try my best to be there at 9 in the morning when you have practice to do that. You see, God doesn't always come on my time, but he's always on time. Now, it might have been on Saturday afternoon where I'm already sweating bullets thinking, oh, God, we're in trouble. But it wasn't Sunday morning. It was still Saturday. God knew what he was doing. And so this morning, I come rolling in the parking lot. I thought somebody got a new vehicle. I was like, well, God's been good to somebody. They got them a really nice truck out there. That's a pretty truck out there. Yeah, ain't none of y'all got that truck. It was his. It was his truck out there. And uh, so if you're looking for a new truck, talk to Tyler. He's got a truck out there he might be willing to sell. Uh, no, but all joking aside, he, uh, he, he and his wife, Carmen, were here this morning. And uh, he said, now, Pastor, I still might get called. I said, okay. Well, he can get called now. I don't even care if he hears anything I say the rest of the day. You can go to work now, Tyler. I don't really care. You got me through what I needed. Praise God. But thank you so much. But, I mean, uh, but can we let Tyler and Miss Carmen know how much we thank them for helping us today? And, uh, and Miss Susie, it's so good to have you. Many of you know Miss Susie, or at least you know a lot of her family. Uh, in fact, uh, let me plug this. Uh, after service today, uh, after I get out of here, I will be headed to the hospital. Sister Laura May is back in the hospital. Uh, she took a, a fall a couple week, a couple days, well, about a week or so ago. Didn't break anything at the time. We thank the Lord for that. But uh, started getting sick and not feeling well, getting a fever. And so they took her to the doctor and different things. Ended up, she found out she had pneumonia. So they placed her in the hospital. And then they did a CAT scan last night around a nine o'clock at night. And found out that she has a small brain bleed uh, in, in her brain. And we don't know if it's a, uh, from a fall or what. But she does have that. And uh, she's really struggling with pneumonia. Sleeping a lot. Just vital signs. She's just really weak. And uh, if you know anything about Sister Laura May. Any of you that know her. I, every week when I go to her house. Within the first 30 seconds I'm in the room. She's already speaking in tongues praying for me. All, right off the bat. I mean she's ready to go. And uh, always word of encouragement. She hears nothing I say because she can't hear real well. And Miss Glenda has to repeat it, or Sister Pat has to repeat it to her. But uh, such a sweetheart. But every time I leave, she says, Pastor, if this is the last time you see me, just know I'm ready to go. And I don't know when that time's going to come, but I'm going to tell you what, that'll be one of those services I will know beyond a shadow of a doubt. When I stand behind a pulpit, I'll know where they went. They went to glory with God. And I'll be envious of that one because they got to go to heaven. But please pray for that family. Miss Glenda is exhausted. Uh, her daughter Betty is with her today uh, at the hospital. But Glenda and Pat are just, they're just tired. Uh, Bonnie is exhausted right now. She's still battling her treatment. So please pray for that whole family. They just got a lot going on. Um, and that's uh, Miss Susie's uh, family. And she's connected to that family. So um, have that connection. So we want to make sure we pray for that as well. We started a series a couple weeks ago called Once Upon a Time as we were leading up to this VBS 
commencement. So we're going to pick up today. So in 2 Samuel chapter 23, once you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And uh, Miss Tan, I'm going to read from a different translation. So if you'll follow along on that screen for me. Um, and uh, we're going to read down to, I think it's going to be around verse number uh, 17 or so. I think is what I have in there, verse 8 to 17. So we're going to start in verse number 8. Now these are the mighty men whom David had. Josheb Bashabeth, the Tecamoanite, captain of the chiefs of captains. He was also called Adino, the Esnite. This Tecoamite man was the head of them all, number one in ranking. Because he had slain 800 men at one time. One time. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty impressive that he was able to do that. Now look at the next verse. And after him there was a guy by the name of Eleazar, the son of Dodo. Wouldn't you like that to be your daddy's name? Who's your daddy? Oh, he's a Dodo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, that's probably what Micah says about me. Uh, son of Dodo, the Aholhite. And one of the three mighty men of David, when he had defied the Philistines that were gathered together at the battle, and the men of Israel had withdrawn, he struck and rose and struck Philistines until his hand was so tired and weary that it clung to his sword. He basically got, some of y'all probably heard it, trigger finger. His hand literally locked up. He had fought in the battle so long that his hand basically just gravitated and was like stuck to the sword. They had to peel his hand off the sword. He tried so hard. But the Lord brought about a great victory that day. The people returned after he had stripped the slain. Now this is where we're going to really pick up the rest. Verse 11. And after him there was a guy by the name of Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. The Philistines gathered together and they were in a troop. Where there was a piece of ground full of lentils or, pe- or beans or peas. This was nothing more than a pea patch out there. They've gathered around it. And the people fled from the Philistines. But in verse 12, he stood in the midst of the pea patch. Right in the middle of the pork and beans. He stood right there. And he defended it. He must have knew those were some good beans. By himself. And he slew the Philistines and the Lord brought about a great victory. Now these same three men of the thirty chief men went down and came to David during the harvest time in a cave of Adullam while he was running. And while the troop of the Philistines were camping in the valley of Raphim, David was then in the stronghold while the garrison of Philistines, an army of the Philistines, were encamped around Bethlehem. David had a craving and he said, Oh, that somebody would go get me some water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So these same three men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew the water from the well of the gate, and brought it back to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it. He poured it out before God. Verse 17, he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should drink the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives. Therefore, he wouldn't drink it. These things the three mighty men did. But I want you to look back at verse number 11. That's the person we're going to talk today. But Shammah gathered together and when everybody deserted him he stood in the middle of a pea patch and he defended it today I want to talk to you about a pea-sized promotion a pea-sized promotion Heavenly Father to the very best of my ability help me to preach your word to the people of God direct this word to speak to hearts and lives 
open eyes, hearts, and ears to hear what your word would have to say. And Lord, let us not be hearers only, but doers of this word likewise. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray. And the people of God said amen. You may be seated. A pea-sized promotion. Out of the top three men of David, they all had a unique story. Jasheb Bashabeth, his story was that he beat 800 guys at one time. That's pretty impressive. One dude versus 800 dudes. That's a pretty good way to go out on top. No wonder he was the captain of the, all of them. He, he was a pretty good-sized guy. And after him was a guy of Eleazar. His dad, as we already discovered, was a dodo. He wasn't really from a good family. But this guy fought so long that his hand literally, literally just molded to the sword and he couldn't get his hand off of the sword. It just clung to it. It just locked up around it. He fought so long. But the third guy was Shammah. Shammah one day is there on his post of duty. And I haven't forgot. We're going to tie this into Memorial Day if you stay with me for a few minutes. Shammah goes to his post of duty. See, in the military... We, we commemorate tomorrow as Memorial Day. It started after the Civil War when people uh, wanted to recognize the fallen and wanted to honor them. And so they would go and they would literally place these flags and these, these, these uh, 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 memor uh, memorials at the tombs of people that had died. And so they would do it. And eventually uh, uh, the President of the United States ushered in and signed into to law, if you will, that the last Monday of May would always be the commemoration of the fallen, of the people. Now, I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. Memorial Day, while it is about veterans, and it, it is, it is, we, we celebrate you, and don't get me wrong, we do celebrate you, but it's also about the people that are no longer with us that have fought the good fight. They have, And I believe that there's also, the Bible says in, in, in Hebrews, it says, now therefore they're surrounded around me a great cloud of witnesses. And the Bible talks about this great cloud of witnesses. That comes. And I believe that while tomorrow a lot of people will go to the grave sites and lay, lay flowers or lay a flag on some tomb of, of, of an unknown soldier or, or a family member that served in the World War One or Two or Vietnam or Korea, whatever. But I also think God wants us to honor and have more memorials of the spiritual people in our lives. I think there are men and women of the faith that have gone on, and, and like I said earlier, Sister Laura May is one of my uh, spiritual, uh, uh, if you will, uh, persons to look up to. How just She's always encouraging, even at 90 plus years old, she just will encourage your heart and, and just speak into your life. But I can tell you, there'll come a day when God calls her home that I may not necessarily go to her gravesite and put a flower there, but I will always remember every time I walked in that room, the prayer she offered up. And I will remember every time I walked in that room, the smile that she gave and there are men and women that have like my grandfather who was a southern baptist preacher but he was filled with the power of the holy spirit and the pentecostal working of the holy spirit and spoke in tongues but tried to keep it silent so he didn't lose his job but he still was spirit filled and I remember I may not go every day to papa's grave but I can tell you he still was a spiritual giant in the lord and I'm telling you some of you in this house you've had grandmothers that have prayed over your life fathers that have prayed over your life mothers that have prayed over your life grandfathers that have prayed over your life and have, and have shaped you to be the man and woman that you have called them to be but can I tell you one of the things that we have to realize is God called us to still do a task Shammah couldn't realize Shammah couldn't be like Joshabed Bathshabed he could not be like that guy because he was not called to be that guy he didn't beat 800 men one day he could not be Eleazar and stand out there and fight it but he could be Shammah he could go stand in the middle of a pea patch and say I may not be like anybody else but God called me to an assignment and God called me to do a task and whatever he calls me to do 
as long as I have breath, the song says, I'll still praise the Lord. I may not have the easiest road, and it may not be the smoothest road, but if God be for me, who will be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Shema stands in this field. And I began to think about, you know, me and my creativity. I thought, now God, what kind of nursery rhyme once upon a time is going to come with this story? I can't really make up one of these. It's not one of these you tell your children at bedtime. Now, buddy, we're going to talk about how to go kill people. This is not the story you tell little Johnny before he goes to sleep. But then when I started reading and I started thinking about this lentils, you know, we read stories as children that kind of teach us lessons. You know, Aesop and his fables, they were cute stories, but they had uh, moral truths behind them. Hans Christian Andersen wrote things like The Little Mermaid, The Ugly Duckling, Thumbelina, The Emperor's New Clothes. But he also wrote one that I think we could tie in today. Once upon a time, there was a prince who wanted to marry a princess. Only a real one would do. He traveled throughout the world to find her, and everything went wrong. There were princesses aplenty who wanted to marry him, but how was he to know who the right one was? There was something not quite right. He came home again discouraged and unhappy because he could not find the one he was looking for. One evening, a terrible storm blew up. The lightning flashed, the thunder roared, and the rain pelted the ground below. It was frightful. In the midst of it all, there came a knocking at the town gate. The old king went to open it. Who should he find standing outside but a princess? And what a sight she was to see in all the rain and wind. The water streamed down from her hair. Her clothes were drenched. Her shoes were tattered. And they ran out of the bottom of her feet. Yet she claimed she still was a real princess. Well, we'll soon find out, the queen thought to herself. Without saying a word, she went to the bedchamber. She stripped all the bedclothes and she put one pea at the bottom of the mattress. She took 20 mattresses and piled them high above the pea. And when she put those 20 other down feather beds and piled them up high. Upon all of these she told the princess she was to sleep. In the morning at breakfast she asked her how well did you sleep? The princess said oh my not at all. Heaven knows I don't know what was in that bed. I laid on something so hard that I am black and blue all over. It was the most terrible night's sleep I have ever had. They could see this must really be a princess. There was no question about it. For she had felt one tiny pea that was at the bottom of 20 mattresses and 20 feather beds. Nobody would a princess would know how that feels because she had laid on things often so delicate. So the prince made haste to marry her. He had found his princess. Can I tell you that it doesn't always have to be a lot of faith. It just has to be the size of a grain of mustard seeds to move mountains. You don't have to have the biggest thing, but sometimes just pea-sized promotions and pea-sized faith can make the devil uncomfortable. You can lay in your bed at sleep at night, but if you just got the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, all of hell's going to be laying asleep uncomfortable in hell because the Bible tells me that if God builds before me, who can stand against me? And the Bible says I can stand still and see the salvation of Lord sometimes I don't even have to fight the battle sometimes I just I don't even have to draw my sword sometimes I just have to stand in the middle of my pea patch and say okay God I'm going to stand here and I'm going to let you do the rest we must remember that God is on our side we are not defeated we are not downtrodden it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around us if God's still sitting on the throne of heaven which he is that means there's still a heaven to gain and a hell to shun and if I can hold out a little bit longer I'm going 
going to get a promotion like you've never seen before. I'm walking on streets of gold. I'm going to pass gates of pearl. I'm going to see jasper walls. This castle has nothing on what my mansion will look like in heaven. I'm going home with Jesus one day. So what is this pea-sized promotion? Shama stood there. He was a part of these disheartened, disenchanted, and destitute group of vagabonds that had followed David in this cave of Adullam. He quickly rose, arose up the leadership ladder. We don't really know a lot about him. It's the only time he's mentioned in the whole Bible. He didn't get a lot of pages. He didn't get a lot of... He's on the top three of David's men, but we don't want really to talk about him much. We know his daddy was Aggie a Herorite. Outside of that, we don't know nothing about his family. We don't know who his mama was. We don't know how many brothers he had. We don't know how rich he was. In fact, he kind of seems a little bit of kind of like an obsolete or a obscure, unimportant person in the Bible. Kind of like you could almost read that scripture and walk right over it. Not even pay, okay, guy standing in lentil fields, that's cool, yeah, whatever, and move on. You wouldn't even think about it. Not a lot to talk about. Shama's name literally means to stun, to amaze, to astonish. But it also means to lay waste, desolate, or to make, or to destroy. So he's kind of like an oxymoron. On one side, he means to be stunning, to be amazing, and to be wonderful. But on the other side, he's also one to be desolate, make waste, and destroy. That is like two opposite ends of the spectrum there. Almost could be, if you were in today's society, we would say he's got some confusion. <laughs> he's got some identity crisis. The complexity and the discombobulation of his life is no doubt probably... Something would be nice to know to understand the importance of him in Scripture. But he's almost a disconnected person in Scripture. See, he's not really an unimportant person after all. Even though he only gets two verses, really, he actually tells us a lot in a short story. So I started thinking about that. I don't know how many of you have ever been in a, in a bean field or a lentil field or a pea patch. They look something like this. <laughs> yeah. You get in the middle of that, you, you ain't going to figure, you ain't getting out for a while. That's a maze. It's like a corn maze except with beans. Everything's green. Now, in that particular time period, they didn't have a John Deere tractor go cut out the maze for him to know which way to go. It wasn't already done that way. It was literally a rows and rows and rows of beans. Now, I thought about that. The man gets out in this lentil field so somewhere in the middle of that patch he's standing there <laughs> you don't know who's coming around which stalk you don't know if your teammates are still with you you can't see them I mean you can't see when they're that tall you can't see what's going on you don't know if somebody's going to come through the, to the bush on this side, going to come from behind you, going to come from the front. Come from the, you don't know where your friends are. You don't know where anything's at. Isn't that just how the devil likes it to be in our lives? He wants you to not know when he's coming, what side he's coming from. He's coming from the left or the right, the front, the back. He, don't, he wants you to feel like you're isolated in a field all by yourself and no one cares two iotas who you are. He doesn't know where his help's coming from. But what the devil didn't know is that Shama served a guy who had wrote 
I, where is come, where forth with the hills? I will look up unto the hills from which cometh my help. For my help cometh from the Lord. The devil might have put him in the middle of a pea patch, but he was serving under a general who said, I don't know all the things, but I know my help will come from the Lord. Can I tell you, I don't know how Sister Laura May is going to do in the hospital or how Brother Ray is going to do at home or what you're going through, but can I tell you, if you leave this place and you start your Memorial Day festivities with family and friends and, and whether you come back next Sunday or I don't see you for a long time, can I leave you with this? And if you get nothing else, you remember this from this old preacher, that you just look up from the hills from which forth cometh your help, for your help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You don't have to know if the devil's coming from the front, the back, the left, or the right, for the Bible said God is the God of the north, the south, the east, and the west. He casts my sins as far as the east is from the west. I'm telling you, I don't have to understand it all. We'll understand it better by and by, but I have a helper. I've got a paraclete. I've got the spirit of an almighty God that will be there in my time of trouble. In the military, one of the things they train you to do, obviously, is to work in teams. They also put you through rigorous training of what happens if you're on your own. You get captured, your team has to pull back, and you get somehow, it's not ideal, but they also try to train you how to be strong when you're alone. Mentality, they try to, if you will, break you and see what your breaking point is to find out where you are. You see, men and women that served in our armed forces many, many years, some that are still serving, like Andrew who is still in serving, and others who have retired, and others who have even passed on. They always had a marching order or an assignment given to them by someone of a higher ranking. Some kind of general, some kind of captain, some kind of master chief. Somebody gave them their marching orders and they had to follow them. There was no questions asked. You just did the job. See, the problem that we have in the church today is too many people are asking God too many questions when he needs us to be silent and just follow the orders he's already given. See, we're living in a day and an hour, and, and, and I know this ain't going to score me any brownie points, but thank God I don't have to preach tonight, so I'll get it off my chest now and have a week to think about it. There's too many people who want to ask too many questions. Well, is that really what the Bible means? Is that really what the Bible says? Well, now, do you think God really meant that when he said it? Well, he didn't put it down here because he was bored. He put it in here because it was right. See, too many people want to debate the book. Ask questions. I'm not talking about, like, help me understand the book. They want to try to discredit the book. They want to try to destroy the book. They want to try to make it sound like, well, that's antiquated. It's ancient. It's outdated. It's this. It's that and the other. Can I tell you, the Bible said, not one dot, not one tittle will pass away, for my word will remain the same forever. Can I tell you, you may not have to like it, but it's still the book, and you still have to live by the book. The problem is too many people worry about what's going on on Facebook rather than putting their face in this book. That's the problem. The reality of it is... You get marching orders. One of those things, see, this is a more, this is the bottom part of this pea patch where all the little beans are at. Now, I don't know if Shama could hear people crunching under the beans. I don't know how he did it. But somehow, this one man with one weapon all by himself took out an army. And Israel was encouraged. Brother Randy said it. I was like, well, gosh, Brother Randy, why don't you just go ahead and preach? And she's going to preach for me anyway up here. He said this morning when he was reading, he was talking about it. And I already talked a little bit something we were talking about up here this morning. And we're talking about when, when, when God equips us and when God prepares us and when God uh, puts us. It, he was telling us this morning that no matter what's going on, God's got it. He's, on, he's, he's got you under control. He, even if you're by yourself, having God on your side is better than anybody else you have on your side. Even if, you, even if you're just by yourself. And the reality of it is... 
One of the things that I've learned about military men is they have to be prepared. But so did Shama. Shama couldn't stand in the middle of a field and protect what he knew was rightfully his had he not already been trained to know what was rightfully his. So we're singing around here. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. You know, it's a catchy little song, but it's actually true. Sometimes we give the enemy stuff that he never was intended to have. We gave it to him. So some of us need to go back to his camp, take back what was stolen from us and get it back. David said, I want some water. You know what these men did? They went to Bethlehem, got him some water. The enemy had got around David, the city of Bethlehem, David's city. David just wanted some good old-fashioned homegrown cooking. He wanted water from the wells that his daddy and his granddaddy and great-granddaddy dug. He wanted to go home. How many of you, I don't want you to raise your hand because I don't want you to embarrass yourself in front of everybody, but how many of you, when you go on a trip with your family, your in-laws, your outlaws, whatever you call them, they might be in-laws, outlaws, whatever you call them, running from the law, some of y'all are running from the law. I mean, sorry. Some of y'all, I thought some of y'all was running from the law. Uh, but the, whoever they are, the reality of it is, how many times after so long, don't raise your hand, are you just ready to go home? Just want to go home. You're tired of running. You're tired of being gone. You're tired. The camping trip was fun. The vacation was fun. The hotels were nice. The RV was wonderful. You want to go home. You're just tired of being gone. I, that's how I felt David had to feel. I've been gone. I've been ran out of my own city, my own house. I can't even go home. I just want to go home. I just wish I could just drink a glass of water from my own refrigerator instead of the hotel bottle of water. I know it's the same water, but it tastes better because I paid the bill and it's my water in my house. These men go do that. But even before they did that, one thing I loved about this story with Shama is he didn't ask, Hey, hey, how many of y'all? Hey! Hey, anybody out here with me? Anybody going to help me? No, he stood his ground. No pun intended, but he stood his ground. And he defended it to the best of his ability. You see, I've learned that lentils, they're also called edible legumes. They're like beans and peas, kind of that family. They are rich in fiber, great source of protein. In fact, most people say they are a healthy alternative and great substitute for people who don't want to eat meat because of their rich in protein and fiber. They have many health benefits for the body. They help the body stay healthy. They defend it against uh, sickness and give it antibodies to have a stronger immune system. In the military, we know that soldiers always have to be prepared and ready for deployment. They have to be prepared for the task that they're going to be asked to assign to be do, to do. They've got to be trained for the mission. They have to go through the, through the proper chain of command to be ready for it. They have a slogan that I have heard many men that served in the armed forces, including my own family, always say. You never leave a man behind. Just don't. If you try your best, you try not to leave a man behind. But it's the same way spiritually. Giants of our faith have gone on to be with the Lord. People in our own church that were giants of faith in this body, parents and grandparents, have went on to be with the Lord. They can, unlike David said about losing his son when Bathsheba had the child out of adultery, after it all was said and done, he, he cried the whole time the baby was sick and wouldn't eat. The baby passes away, shaves, gets, takes a shower, shaves, and asks for a four-course meal. And all his people are like, what's wrong with you? This should be when you're crying. And he said, why? What's the point now? I can't, he can't come to where I am, but I can go to where he is. See, I've learned a long time ago, people like my grandfather, I wish I could go sit down at Mepkin Abbey on the water with him. He used to love going to Mepkin Abbey and sit out there and read his Bible. I wish I could take my grandfather... A spiritual giant who died, passed away when I was six, but 
still remember him, pastor of the Hopewell Baptist Church in Hugie for many, many years, and before that was at Cordsville, and before that, Faith Baptist in Jedburgh, before that, Jedburgh Baptist, and before that, and who knows where he was at, uh, long before I was in existence. But I wish I could sit at Mepkin Abbey and ask, Papa, how did, how did you pastor your church? How did you do it? How did you, when Sister So-and-So didn't like your message, what did you do? Did you go play golf and put her name on it and hit it like I do? Do you go to the driving range, Papa, and just write name Jim? Pow! Yes, Jesus, that felt good. Jim never knew I hit him, but I did. Did you do that, Papa? No. I remember my grandfather, he was the only guy in my life that never wore anything but navy blue or black dress pants and white Oxford dress shirt. My grandfather changed the oil in a long sleeve white Oxford dress shirt, black Oxford wingtip shoes, and navy blue or black pants. Only man that changed oil in a suit. And he never got it on him. He was impressive. Cut grass. Same way, 900 degrees outside, long sleeve white dress shirt, navy blue black pants, wingtip black dress shoes, come inside after cutting grass, pouring sweat, drink hot coffee. What is wrong with that man? That's what he was. I wish I could do that, but you know, I learned after getting into the ministry and then eventually being assigned here, I learned a long time ago, you know what, I can't ask him that, but if I just follow how he lived, one day I can go where he's at and I can ask him anything I want to one day. One day I can sit by a crystal sea, a river of life. I can say, Papa, tell me what it's like to have been in heaven for these years. Tell me what it was like. Who'd you meet? Who'd you talk to? See, one of the things I love about military, well, first of all, I love the fact that they thank, for, thank you for everybody who has ever served. I love that they protect us and give us the freedoms we have. But the other thing that I love about the military is I love, listen, y'all know I hate Hallmark movies. If you've been in this church longer than two weeks, you know I hate Hallmark movies. It's because I already know what's going to happen. You wasted two hours of my life, and I already know how it ends. I know she's going to fall in love with the guy she ain't supposed to be with because she likes the guy that's like some city slicker and a lawyer and, you know, whatever. But she's going to go back home because grandma's sick, daddy fell, somebody, she's going to go to some pharma. The, oh, the town hardware store man or the guy who has the horses and the cattle out back he, that she met, she's going to see him, and there's going to be a twinkle in her eye. She's going to go back to New York or she's going to go back to San Francisco and sit in her little high-rise office and think, oh, God, that, I just can't, I can't, I can't forget Jeb back home in Oklahoma in Nebraska. And she's going to break up with her boyfriend and, Jeb's going to be all sad. He's going to be sitting there thinking, well, I tried. He's going to be out there, you know, cleaning the, the horse shoes. Or he's going to be out at the barn sweeping up the sawdust. And she's going to pull up and she's going to run. And we're all grabbing our tissues because she picked the man from Oklahoma. We know how it ends. We know. And you still watch it. And you know it. I'm like, take me to see Top Gun. I want to see who dies. And don't tell me who did. I want to shoot somebody. Let's do it. Blow it up. Who lived? <laughs> I was an Avenger guy. Man, I watched the new Spider-Man that came out a couple months ago, and I was like, okay, I wasn't ready for this. I was sitting there thinking to myself, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't mentally ready for all this. Everybody grabs their tissues and things like that. But one of the things I love, and it's probably because of I'm a baby at heart. Well, I tell you what, when they do those at baseball games or basketball games or sporting events where they bring somebody home, and parents or grandparents or children don't know they're coming home, whether it's mama or daddy. And they say, oh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we want to tell you, we want to welcome home Private Sergeant, Master Chief, whatever, whoever it is, Captain, so and they say the guy's name, and they put it on the screen, and the family's looking, thinking he's on a video board, but he's standing behind him, and he's holding flowers for his wife, or he, he, the, the lady's standing there with some kind of big bear for her little girl or whatever, and they turn around, and just the jubilation of seeing them come home. 
See, I think that's what heaven's going to be like. Can you imagine when we get there, we walk across the streets of gold and we see people and we're like, man, I've missed you. See, Shama knew that he had to do what he had to do because he was prepared for the task. So he stood there and he, he defended his ground. But he also had a prowess about him. Prowess literally means bravery in battle. That's what it means. Look it up in Webster. Bravery in battle. See, that's how the Bible tells us. The Bible says that I need to put on the full armor of God, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, sword of salvation. I need to be dressed for battle. That doesn't mean I'm always going to fight in the battle. It just means i got to be ready to fight if I'm called upon. Not everybody that goes in the military has to, should be shipped overseas. Not everybody discharges a, or, or, or fires an arm, uh, you know, some kind of uh, weapon. Some people get to go. Some people don't. But they have to still be ready just in case they're called upon to do it. See, sometimes the battle, the Bible says the battle belongs to the Lord. I don't always have to fight the battle. Like Shema's case, I'm in a field all by myself. But what I don't realize is God's got a host of heaven's armies encamped all around about me. Like I said a couple weeks ago with the prophet of God, he said, Lord, open the servant's eyes and let him see. And he said, what do you see, son? He says, I see the enemy's got around us. And he says, no, 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 son. The Lord, open his eyes. And when the Lord opened his eyes, he saw an angelic host of heaven's armies all around him. Can I tell you, that's how God is. Even when when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, Lord, you're working. Because I may not always get it, and I may not always understand it. But if I am brave, if I hold on to the shield of faith, if I stand still, I can see the salvation of the Lord in the land of the living. Can I tell you, we've got to still be ready to go to battle for the Lord. He defended it. He defended it. He was there. He beat thousands of people, maybe 600 to somewhere between 600 to thousands of Philistines, most theologians believe. But how did he do it? Well, I'm going to tell you real quick as I get ready to close. It was all about his position, where he was at. <laughs> I told you it was a peace size promotion, he's in the top three, but he knew the value of being at the right place <laughs> at the right time. So we say that to people sometimes. You'd be like, oh, man, they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Or they were at the right place, just at the right place at the right time. See, what it is, what I want you to understand is, and I know we got a lot, and I've read to you that are sick and out, and I understand that. But what I want you to get this morning is this. That's what church is supposed to be. We talked about it in the back in Sunday school today. About not forsaking the assembling of ourselves is in the manner of son. But that's why we come together to experience the presence. Because like a service like last Sunday, for those of you that were here, you could go back tonight, since we don't have church, and go watch that service, and you might enjoy it. And you might think, wow, what a, what a great experience. But it was not the same as sitting in this auditorium. Now, we obviously, Miss Ann last week had to watch it, and she said, Pastor, it looks like you had a great service. And, and I said, yes, ma'am. Hey, you missed it. I, I know it. You know, thank God for technology, but you just can't explain what it's like to be in the room. You can't explain what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord. You just can't. See, we have to be in the right place at the right time. Can I tell you, church is the right place, and it's always the right time to be in the presence of the Lord. Because the Bible said, if two or three agree is touching any one thing, I am in their midst. When we come together, and we agree in one accord, and the brethren and sisters and girls together in unity, then the presence and the power of Almighty God comes, and He changes our lives, He transforms us, and He makes things new, and man, He just takes us to a whole nother level. See, he stood in this field, and he had, he had God-sized protection. He, he had peace-sized faith. Because you know what? 
He may not knew where the enemy was coming from, but guess what? The enemy also didn't know where he was coming from. See, can I tell you sometimes what the enemy means for evil? <laughs> Anybody read their Bible this week besides me? Okay, I guess I'll just tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says what the enemy means for evil. God can work it out, turn it around for my good. See, the enemy might have me surrounded. The devil's like, man, I got him right where I want him. I got him in this field. He ain't coming out. The only problem is the devil doesn't know which part of the field I'm in either because God, he who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Many are they that increase, Psalms 3 says, that troubled me. And many of they that rised up against me. And many of them that say of my soul, there is no help for them in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield. You know what a shield is? It's protection. It keeps me in guard. Oh, thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord and he heard me out of his holy hills. I laid myself down to sleep and the Lord sustained me. Yes, he sustained me. The devil might put me in a pea-sized patch of fields of lentils, but I'm telling you, he may not know where I may not know where he's at, but he also doesn't know where me and God are at either. He doesn't know where me and God have been talking about in my prayer closet. He doesn't know what God and I have been doing on my battlefield, on my knees, in my bedroom, because one day I'm going to walk out of that thing and I'm going to say devil you don't know where I'm coming from but God's before me who's going to be against me and I'm going to be on the war path just like the devil and there was no way the devil knew where Shama was but God knew where Shama was can I tell you nobody else has to know what island you're on nobody else has to know what you're going through but God knows where you're at and God knows what you're going through and God will see you through to the end He'll see you through to the end. So as Miss Carol makes her way, just to make you feel better, because it means nothing. Yes, it does. I'm just kidding. He was positioned in the right place, the right time. He wasn't intimidated. He wasn't scared. You know how I know that? Because he knew the God he served. You don't have to live in fear. For God did not give you a spirit of fear. But of power, of love, and soundness of mind. Now that doesn't, that scripture didn't say you'll never feel like you're gonna lose your mind. <laughs> scripture didn't say you never cry. In fact, the Bible said weeping will last for a night season, but joy will come in the morning. God didn't say I wouldn't go through heartache. In fact, He said, even when you go through that, I'll be a friend that sticks closer to you than any brother. He didn't say I wouldn't go through it, He just said I wouldn't go through it alone. God didn't say I wouldn't be exempt from sicknesses. God didn't say I wouldn't be exempt from heartache and pain. God didn't say I wouldn't be exempt from cancer. God didn't say I wouldn't be exempt. He just said, you're not going to do it by yourself. I'll go with you. See, I, I can't fix what's going on in the hospital with Sister Laura May, but God can. Shama is standing there. He goes to the enemy's camp. And he took back what was stolen from him. See, I'm not here to tell you this morning before I let you go. You don't always have to have the biggest faith. You just got to have a little faith. Big faith is great. But mustard seed faith moves mountains. Mustard seeds are tiny. They're real. They're microscopically tiny. They're so tiny. But the Bible says, if I just believe God with that much, it'll change the world. 
He'll move my mountains. See, one of the things about Memorial Day is we commemorate every man, woman, boy, and girl that have ever served years gone by. Some that are still actively in. We celebrate them, but we also retired and the fallen. But you know, God also has a Memorial Day. You know how I know? Because in Hebrews chapter 11, He lists all the people He wants us to remember in His Hall of Fame of Faith. That chapter in Hebrews 11 has often been called the Hall of Fame of Faith, if you will. It's the spiritual giants in these pages of Scripture that we are to remember. The faith of a Moses, of a Rahab, of a Joshua, of an Abraham, of an Isaac, of a Jacob, the God of David, the God of Samson, the God of the Apostle Paul, countless others. It's a laundry list of people that we, I've never met Abraham, but his life still changes my life every time I read about how he searched for a city whose builder and maker was the Lord. He was searching for a city whose foundations were not of earthly made, man-made uh, proportions, but they were a heavenly proportion. Every time I read about David, I realize I may stumble and I may fall, but God is the one who picks me up every time I may stumble or fall. I read about Moses, it tells me I don't always have to be the most eloquent of speakers. I don't have to have a Ph.D. in theology. And in fact, on the matter, I may not even be worth two cents of a preacher. But if God can use a man with a speech impediment, he can use me too. I just got to believe just a little bit. So here's what I want to ask you today as I close. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. For all joining online, we thank you for being with us today and we love you. For all of you in this house, before we leave, here's my question. What is it in your life today that you say, Pastor, whatever needs